Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Kaysen. With me today, relationship life coach Cindy Chavez. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Jackie's off this week. She's not going to be joining us this week, but she'll be back next week. And uh, in the meantime, Cindy dreamed up a really cool show for us today. And it's on a topic, Cindy, I have to admit, I knew nothing about when you mentioned it to me. You said human design. I said, there's a design to this? No, that's not what I actually said. What I, what I said was, I've never heard of that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So tell us about it. What's, what's this all about? Well, you know, it's interesting. I don't know, like... You said I dreamed up this idea. I literally did. Like, I think I woke up one morning yeah, and had this yeah. idea. And um, I know I've talked about this before on the podcast as well as with clients is that sometimes I'll give my brain something to work on when I go to sleep. And then I wake up with, you know, an idea or an answer. And I've when I learned that our brains work just as hard or maybe harder when we're sleeping than when we're awake. That was a real shock to me at the time. Um, mm. Because, you know, I always had this idea that we go to sleep and we might dream, but that, you know, our brain's kind of like offline, you know, like we're resting, but it's really not. Like there's a lot of brain activity while we're sleeping. Mm. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, when I had my accident in Dallas, when I fell, right, I um, cracked my phone screen. Oh no. And, yeah. And it was cracked. It flew out of my hand and, and it was cracked in several places. And I knew I had a screen protector, but I thought my screen protector was like one of those very thin films that just protects it from scratches. Mm-hmm. So I thought my phone screen was cracked and that the film was like just the thing that was holding ah. it. Together. I wasn't really worried about it. Well, my husband wakes up one morning, like just a, a few days ago and he, and I knew he was sleeping. And then all of a sudden, because I was awake, all of a sudden he says to me, could I borrow your phone or could I have your phone? And I thought he was like talking in his sleep. Like, <laughs> one second he was asleep. And the next second he was saying, could I have your phone? And, you know, I was like looking at my phone at the time. And I said, okay. And I handed him my phone and I look at him and he pops the case off my phone and he rips the screen protector off and my screen is perfect. And it was yeah. one of those heavy glass screen protectors and it was what was broken. Right. He said, and I looked at him and I was like, oh my gosh. And he said, I just dreamed this. <laughs> I love it. dreamed that it was my screen protector that was cracked. And so, you know, it always amazes me that our brain is like, it's working on something, right? So I had this idea and I reached out to you and I said, um, Hey, Walt, I have this idea mm-hmm. <laughs> because I've been studying human design, this system that I'm going to talk about for, I guess, since 2014. Oh, so, but, okay. For a while. Yeah. Now I have to admit when I first found out about it and we'll get into this in a little bit, but when I found out my type and the things that I immediately found out about me, I said, Oh no, no way. And I sort of, <laughs> I just sort of put it away. I was like, I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why when we get to that part, but um, I kept feeling nudged to pick it up, pick it up and look at it again. Mm-hmm. Take another look, take another look. So I did. And I decided, well, this is just going to be an experiment. Like I'm going to look at it like an experiment. Like, you know, I often look at things like a game, right? I was like, this is just an experiment. I'm just going to try it out. And if it doesn't fit, I'll just let it go. But it fits so well that I just kept studying and studying. And then I started using it with my clients and I'm Mm -hmm. seeing some really 
awesome things happen. And, you know, my clients often hire me because they want to consciously create things. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I realized that it it's fitting really well with that idea. Okay. So I thought, so what I asked you if I could do was to talk about human design and also read your chart for you on the air. And you were <laughs> like, I said, we can read it. We can have a call and read this first and then we can talk about it. You go, no, 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 let's just do it on the air. I was like, okay. But it's going to Which be- was an interesting, uh, kind of reaction for me to be perfectly honest because, <laughs> um, you asked, uh, as uh, preparation for doing this, you asked what my birth date and birth time was, and I wasn't 100% sure, but I knew that my sister would have that information, and she had actually worked up a whole astrological chart on me years ago, so that's what I ended up sending to you. Now, that experience was one of many that I'd had where what was written up, I mean, I'm not sure exactly where my sister got it. She probably got it off of you know, some psychic who was doing you know, astrology readings or, or things like that. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but what my experience had been with so many of these was that the report that came out just didn't feel like it would match very, very often. And that the one that I sent to you was like that because I mean, they, they go through and they, they label for each of the different houses and all, I don't even understand all this stuff, but they, for all this stuff they had, well, this means this, and this means this. And some of the things they meant were like way, way off compared to who I am. So I said, yeah, okay, fine. Have fun. You know? So in the back of my mind, I said, well, what could possibly go wrong here? I mean, I, it, I, I kind of like threw the thing out the window before. If I don't like it, I'll just throw it out the window again. Exactly. Um, and and that's, that's what I always think too. It's like, if this doesn't feel like it's you, then it's not information that's going to help you, right? So you exactly. Whatever. Exactly. The other thing, though, that I will bring up, um, and we'll talk about it probably more later, is the idea of conditioning. And that is that we are conditioned to think certain things, you know, by our parents, our teachers, our, our friends, our society at large, mostly society, right? We have all mm. these ideas. And oh, yeah. sometimes we have thoughts about ourselves that may or may not be correct, but because we've been conditioned to think a certain way, that feels right. And I'll talk about that actually when I talk about my own chart a little bit, but I want to start with just saying human design is a system that's an amalgamation of four systems of astrology, of the Chinese um, Yi Jing, or you sometimes hear it pronounced Yi Ching because that's mm-hmm. how it looks like it's written. Um, I believe the correct pronunciation, if we care, is Yi Jing. So I try to say it right. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hindu chakra system, you know, mm-hmm. the Hindu chakra system has seven chakras. This system is a little bit evolved from that. It has nine what we call centers, but they are in line with the Hindu chakras and then the Jewish Kabbalah. So it's like an amalgamation of these four systems. And yes, we do use um, your birthday and your birthplace and your birth time to determine uh, your personal chart. Mm-hmm. So this system came about in about the most woo-woo way anything could ever come well, about. Well, that's what I was wondering. How, who thinks to put four different systems together <laughs> like this? This is like, okay, this is different. So, so there was a man, and his name was, at birth, I believe it was Robert Allen Krakowitz or something like that. But he changed his name. Um, and I don't know if he changed his name before or after this experience. But hmm. my understanding was that he was on a sort of meditative retreat on the island of Ibiza. And he got this whole download of information, which is like a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Um, his name was changed to Ra Uru Hu. And this was like in the 80s. So 
you know, it's a very new system in the span of time. And then when you look at these ancient systems like the Kabbalah and like astrology and the I Ching, these are like ancient things. The Hindu chakras have been around forever. And then this system's brand new. And I know that for some people, you know, we talk about Abraham Hicks, right? Esther Hicks channeling Abraham and right. how you and I have had this discussion before. Like for some people, the fact that that information is channeled, it makes it more relevant. Mm-hmm. And for other people, it makes it like eh, less relevant. They're not sure of it because of that. And where I stand on that is that I don't really care if the information needs to be able to stand on its own. And yes. the information is either, it either works or it doesn't. It's either valid or it's not. And so I kind of look at it that way. So, but I really love this explanation. I'm not sure how I found out um, about human design. And what I'm uncertain about is that I found Richard Rudd and his Gene Keys teaching, which the, the Gene Keys book is phenomenal. And I might have learned about human design through that, or else it was the other way around. I'm not <laughs> sure anymore because Richard Rudd was one of the first or the first person, I believe, that was licensed to teach human design in the UK. Wow. He got it for a decade and out of his teaching experience with it, his system of gene keys was another like evolution. And so he has a wonderful explanation for this, um, this idea of this wisdom teaching just sort of coming whole and complete out of nowhere, like all mm. the right? Because as far as I know, a lot of people that buy into, I'm going to use that term, I, I'm one of them, but, you know, is interested in astrology or the chakras or whatever. There's never any, well, where did this come from? Because it's been around for so long and it's sort of proven itself, right? And we just kind of accept it as it is. But with this system, it's like, well, where did this come from? Some guy just channeled this on the island of, <laughs> you know, in 1987 or whatever. But I had a sort of miracle happen getting ready for this call. So I remember in the years that I've been studying Richard Rudd's material, which is since 2014 as well, I heard him say a word one time and a one sentence to describe that word that sort of talked about how these teachings come into being. I couldn't remember the word. I didn't write it down. (laughs) I have read thousands of pages of his teachings, essays, books, and listened to hours and hours of audio and video over the last, you know, however many years. And I was like, I only heard him say this word once. Wow. And I was like, oh, I really want to talk about this. How am I (laughs) going to find this? So I woke up about three days ago and I said I need to find this word and it's not an English word and I don't even know what to google for the word to come up and I and I but I really want to talk about this and I told my husband I said okay this is my goal for the day I will find this word (laughs) second thought in my mind was that and it might take you all day So I came into my computer and I Googled a few things, but nothing was bringing up anything. Mm. So I took a break. Now I'd only been at it for like two minutes, right? So I took right. a break after two minutes and I Googled Richard Rudd's name mm-hmm. and YouTube brought up a video 
that he was doing because they're having this big human design conference in September, I believe in Colorado. It might have already happened. And it was another of my favorite teachers, uh, Karen Curry Parker, interviewing Richard Rudd. And it was a little short video. It was about 14 minutes. So I thought in my scope, in my intention that I already made that I will find this word today, it was still only like 930 in the morning. And I thought it was 14 minutes. I'm going to watch this first and then I'll get serious about it. <laughs> I love it. Five minutes into the interview, she asked him a question about human design and how it came about. And he says, the Tibetans have this wonderful word. And I, 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 I'm still like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so the word was Tama. Tama. And the way he described it was that the Tibetans have this wonderful word. And the word is called Tama. And Tama through their understanding, refers to a wisdom transmission that is sort of dropped like a bomb into the time-space continuum all at once. And from there, and, and this was relating to uh, a Buddhist, well, the second Buddha, uh, Padmasambhava. Padmasambhava, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, his teachings, that they just came this way. And then his disciples would begin teaching them and learning them and allow them to like flower and open up and evolve into whatever they would evolve into, which is what's happening with human design. And so it was so exciting to like be preparing for this and have that happen. It felt like a miracle, right? Like I made an intention. I got really clear on it. Yeah. And it just came to me. Absolutely. It yeah. just came to me. So that is part of. In fact, by the way, it just dropped in. <laughs> dropped in like a bomb, right? It's like dropped in like everything I wanted. And the funny thing was, is I'd only heard him talk for like one sentence on it before, and this time he talked for about three or four minutes, and I got more. Mm, oh, nice. Right? So, yeah. So it was excellent. Okay, so we use your birth date, birthplace, birth time, and we come up with a chart, and. Like an astrology chart, there is so much information in this chart that I couldn't cover it in an hour if I wanted to. Um, I I couldn't cover it. In, I mean, I don't know the amount of time. It takes forever, right? It takes a lifetime, like with astrology, to actually walk through the things and try them on and see how they fit and, mm. and live with them. But I want to give the very basic things. So in astrology, the basic thing would be like, well, I'm a Taurus sun and a Virgo rising. That's pretty basic, right? Mm -hmm. but we can do a lot with that. So I'm going to start with um, the types. Okay. There are only four types. So well, that makes it easy. Four types. So one percent of the population are the type called the reflector. And when you look at the chart and you see these nine centers in what's called the body graph, all of their centers are what we say open. So they don't have any defined centers. And so one percent. <laughs> And that's not very many. I only know one. I only know one person that's a reflector. 9% of the population are the type that is referred to as manifestors. Hmm. And manifestors, um, you know, they are the type that has success when they initiate something. And I think that this is part of the reason why this is such an important conversation for people that are learning and practicing the law of attraction. Because mm -hmm. we're always talking about manifestation. Right. And we're also 
encouraged by all of society to initiate things. Just go do it. Mm -hmm. And yet there's only 9% of the population that can really do that and Mm. have success with it. Yeah. So 20% of the population are projectors. That's me. And each type has what's known as a strategy. And we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to tell you what mine is right now. My strategy is to wait for an invitation. This is why I said, I'm not doing this. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Like, I'm an entrepreneur. I run my own business. I can't wait to be invited. But I started putting this into practice as an experiment right a few months before you invited me to be your co-host. <laughs> oh, my. And I think I told you at the time, I didn't relate it to human design, but I said, oh, my gosh, I made the intention that I wanted to to do a podcast. Yeah. And But I did not want to figure out how to set it all up. I just wanted to do a podcast. Right. And a week later, you emailed me out of the blue. I did not know you. And you said, nope. hey, I'm interested in talking to you about being a co-host on this podcast, on my podcast. And I was like, what? Oh <laughs> so 20% of us are projectors. And then 70% of the population are generators. Now, projectors like me, we were not made to work because we don't produce energy. But generators produce energy. You know, we talk about the Energizer Bunny. That's kind mm-hmm. of like generators. They produce energy and they are made to work and they're good at working and they're the ones running the world. Generators run the world. So out of half of the generators, they actually are a hybrid. Half the generators are a hybrid of a manifester and a generator and they're called manifesting generators. Hmm. And Walt, that's you. No, that's me. Yeah. Okay. So, I want to talk about for a minute the strategies for each type. Okay. The reflectors can do anything they want. They can, they can do anything they want, but their strategy is that they need to wait a complete lunation cycle before they make a decision. Now we're not talking about decisions like, you know, should I have pizza or Chinese food tonight? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the big decisions we make in life, right? The big things. Do I move here? Do I take this job? Do I marry this person? You know, big, big things, bigger mm-hmm. things. Should I write this book? Maybe that maybe that's big enough, but you know, should I be on this podcast? Do I want to have a podcast? You know, things mm-hmm. that are going to impact our life for more than just the next hour. Um, you know, like what should I eat or what shirt should I wear today? Um, those things, reflectors are supposed to wait a lunation cycle and that that will give them more surprises and less disappointment. Interesting. Now, manifestors, their strategy, they can initiate. They can just get an idea in their head and go do it. Their strategy, though, so that they will have more peace and less anger is to inform people, to let other people know what they're doing because sometimes they get an idea and they have so much energy to just get that thing done that they just don't tell anybody what they're doing. They just go for it. And then that can cause problems because 
in the human design system, it's recognized that we're all made, we're all part of the human system and we're all made to work together. These types are meant to all be part of a machine that works like clockwork, right? And so mm. we want to keep other people informed if we're a manifester. Now, projectors, yeah, our strategy is <laughs> wait for the invitation. Um, and I wasn't real keen on doing that at first, but I've recognized now that uh, the invitations do come. And when they do, it's always, you know, better to have been waiting than to be pushing and trying to make things happen. The other thing with projectors is that we are the guides for the world. And so we often have wisdom or advice or, you know, things that we could see that would be useful. And when someone asks us for that, that's our invitation, then it's usually received really well. But if we try to offer it when the person has not asked for it, usually they don't hear it at all. And then we can feel rejected and hurt like, gosh, you know, I had the best advice and they wouldn't even hear it. Well, that's because I didn't wait for the invitation. That's where I didn't wait for that green light to go ahead and give the advice. And I, I, I got to ask you something about this because the word projector is an interesting choice of a label for what right. you're describing. Right. I mean, I would not, I wouldn't have normally thought of that as being projecting. It's because our aura projects out and touches other people. And I, I oh. wanted, yeah. And so okay. there's actually something really interesting that you mentioned that, that I, I made a note about to not forget to talk about because I mentioned, uh, Karen Curry Parker earlier. She's a phenomenal human design teacher and her own system that she's evolved includes different languaging. And in that, in her languaging, projectors are called orchestrators. Oh, I like that. Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. And you're going to yeah. like, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but you're going to like the names that she came up with. She, she has a very uh, positive and affirming bent on everything in the human design system. And I really like it a lot. Um, okay. So generators, which you are a generator. Um, you're a manifesting generator, but that's still a generator. And generator's strategy is to respond. And it's sometimes, many times, to wait to respond. So mm-hmm. um, an example that I actually heard Karen Curry Parker give one time is someone's at their desk and they're at work and they think, oh, I need a vacation. So they book a vacation right then and there. That's not waiting to respond because the response needs to be to something external. Oh. So they've not waited to respond. But Mm -hmm. when they go to the doctor and the doctor says, look, you know, you're really under a lot of stress. You could use a vacation. And then driving home, they see a billboard that's advertising, you know, this vacation condo. And then they get to their home and there's a postcard from a friend that lives at the beach that says, I wish you'd come see me. Those are external things. And then they can respond to that. Hmm. And so often the things that that a generator is thinking about will show up externally. And that's the key is to to wait to respond to it when it's external. But the cool thing is that generators can look for things to respond to, just find the thing to respond to. And so that's often really cool. Now, what that will do for a generator is that will give them more satisfaction and less frustration. But here's the thing I've recognized with my generator clients, and because generators are 70% of us, I have more generator clients than any other type. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I read that actually it was sort of like, uh, we just recognized it because it kept happening. And then I started studying more and seeing, okay, this is a thing. And that is that frustration is part of the creation process for a generator. So one of the things that some of my clients have recognized is that at that moment that they finally hit like peak frustration over something like, oh my gosh, I just can't, this has to shift. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of go through that giving up, like, okay, whatever, like, and then boom, it happens. And in a really big way, when you start recognizing that pattern, here's the cool part. Then when you get frustrated, it's not so bad because you recognize that, oh, that thing is almost here. <laughs> ah, I see. Okay. So it's almost a sign that the thing is on its way. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. much better, right, than having that idea that I'm feeling frustrated, so this thing's never going to happen. That's not true. It's just part of the learning curve, and it's part of the process. So what happens when you realize that as a generator is that it's not that you'll never get frustrated again. But you see frustration a little differently. And, of course, it lasts for a much shorter period of time mm-hmm. because okay. we're willing to be to allow. Right. And we talk about that a lot with law of attraction is allowing. OK, so the manifesting generators, which is half the generators. With they they also you also, well, because you're a manifesting generator. So in this system, you also would need to wait to respond. But because you also have that manifester energy, you would also need to inform before you took action. Because you've got both of those things going on. But you also have sort of like the best of both worlds because you've got both of those those types like blended together in a hybrid. So I want to tell you, (laughs) this is the first thing I noticed about your chart, and I was just cracking up laughing. I'm going to tell you Karen Curry Parker's names for the types. Okay. The generators, she calls alchemists. Hmm. And the manifesting generators, which is you, she calls time benders. <laughs> I love so much because, you know, time travel is my thing. I was like, oh, I want to be that. Okay. <laughs> the projectors. Here, here are, I am with a, with a galaxy behind me as my back screen. Right? right? <laughs> so projectors are orchestrators. Manifestors are initiators because they are the ones that can initiate things. And the reflectors are calibrators because reflectors with all their open centers, they really do reflect what's happening in their community. So when I talk about the centers, we we said that they um, sort of parallel with the chakra system. Um, So we'll talk about the centers and what they what they are. We have the head center. That's the thoughts and the and the Ajna, which is. The net, it would be the third eye kind of center mm-hmm. um, is the next one. Then the throat, which has to do with communication, of course. Uh, the next one is the G center, not the solar plexus, but the G center um, or the identity center. Some people say that G is for God center. And that has a lot to do. That's a center that has a lot to do with who we are. Then there's the heart center, the spleen, the sacral, the solar plexus and the root and they all have different functions and some of them are motors and so the motors are where we start creating energy and it's a a, i believe it's when the motor is attached to the throat there's energy so the most powerful motor in this system is the sacral and that is actually 
the one of the authorities, which means how you make a decision for you. Um, you, you have sacral authority. And this is the most fascinating thing to me anyway, to talk about this sacral. I do not have sacral. Uh, my sacral is um, open and your sacral is defined and connected to your throat. And that's what gives you your type. And so when you have sacral authority, they call these sacral sounds. So you, you talk about like making decisions and None of us should be making decisions from our head. And most of us make all of our decisions <laughs> from our head, right? So like my decision-making authority is emotional. And what that means is that I actually need to kind of ride the wave of an emotion about something or else this is what happens. An opportunity comes. It seems great because I'm in a really happy mood right now. And I just heard about this and I go, yeah, that would be great. Okay, let's do it. And then the next morning I wake up and I go, oh. Why did I say yes? <laughs> <laughs> so what I have to do is I have to wait for, I, I like to tell people, let me sleep on that. Mm -hmm. I probably said this to you before, right? Like, let me get back to you about that because it might seem really great and exciting. And then I might go through a time. I think, Oh no, I don't think I don't want to do that at all. Okay. I need to wait till all that emotional wave is passed. And then I have, a neutral feeling in my body and I can look at it clearly and say, yeah, no, I, I do want to do that. Yeah, let's do that. And I make that decision. You, on the other hand, have this sacral thing that's so awesome. Here's what it is. There are something called sacral sounds. And the sounds are uh-huh and uh-uh. <laughs> okay. And here's what I think is funny. Like, I don't remember this for me as a child. Probably because I don't have a defined sacral, so I wouldn't have said uh-huh or uh-uh. But I remember my siblings being, like, scolded for doing that. Hmm. Like, like a yes or no question, right? Do you want this? Uh-uh. Don't tell me uh-uh. You say yes or no, right? But those are the sacral sounds, and it's said that those sounds actually rev up the sacral motor. So if you haven't been using those sounds for a long time, you can start experimenting with using them. They will get that motor running, so to speak, and you'll get more used to letting it decide. And if you think of where, you know, right sort of around your navel, like in your gut area, when someone says, would you like this? Uh-uh. How about this? Uh-huh. Like, and, there, and you can start to feel it. And it's really interesting with a generator that – you know, that type, a generator or a manifesting generator, they have a real keen sense of place, like whether they're in the right place. And I think I made this comment when I told the story in the podcast about when we went to Dallas, that when we checked into the hotel, we, we actually had a problem with the first hotel and we had to find a different one. And we walked into the second one. We both like felt like we breathed a sigh of relief. But mm. I, I was just picking up on my husband, who is a generator, of his knowledge of right place, right time. Like, he knew this is the right place. Okay, now we're in the right place. And it was just like something clicks. So you may or may not say, yeah, I, I have that happen with me. Um, it might happen with you, where you feel like you're in the right place and something clicks. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I, I get that. That does happen. So in the, in the chart with the centers, the, the, there are four motors and the sacral motor is the only sustainable power source in the chart. And you have that and you not only have that. I don't want to get too deep about gates and channels and all this other stuff because there's, it's a lot, but you have, um, like not just four channels activated in that sacral, but you have, uh, or four gates, but you have four complete channels, which many of us don't have any completed channels. We, we, someone else completes that channel. So in other words, if there are two centers, and they're connected by a channel, sometimes you'll have half of it and the other person has the other half. And that's why when we get together with other people, there's energy happening. We're completing these channels that are connected to different things. I think it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. But I was going to say that when I first saw your chart and I saw a time bender, um, cause one of the things about a manifesting generator is that you probably do things a lot faster than other people. Um, and you probably are really good at figuring out shortcuts. Mm-hmm. And most likely, you're very good at multitasking. Now, the downside of that is that sometimes you might skip an important step and mm-hmm. then have to go back and redo it. Um, but you're really good at that. And when I saw your chart, I had this memory of like when we were first working together and you had this idea because we kept hearing all these stories, people. Oh, like, I know what you're going. <laughs> yes. And you send me this email and you're like, I have this great idea. This is what we should do. We should make a book and we'll get all these different people that listen to the show and that are coaches and people we know to write stories about their big law of attraction victories. And we'll put it all together. And, you know, and it was all like amazing and such a great idea. And then I was like, you sent me the dates and it was like, you were going to do all of this in like such a short period of time. But I think I literally wrote back and said, that's not going to happen. Like, you no did. Way. And you we were like, oh, yes, it can. And I was like, you know what? You're so confident about this. Okay, let's just go for it. And you did it. Like, I did. And the thing was, is I had the year before written a collaborative book. And the people that put it together have done many, many bestsellers. They were not newbies to this at all. And it like took us a prescribed amount of time that was much, much longer than what you were planning. So I thought I, I was like, Oh no, this is, this would be impossible. And you're like, no, it's not. I thought, well, okay. So when I saw time bender and like that you can do things much faster than people, I cracked up. I was like, I, I think we got something here. <laughs> that is funny. Oh my goodness. The other thing is that, um, manifesting generators have an, internal creative flow that's nonverbal. So you have got this creative flow going on in your head, in yourself, that's internal about things that you want to create, things that you're going to do, ways you want to work things out. And it's nonverbal. So, and you work so fast, like things flow with you so fast that if someone like stops you, to say, hey, what's going on? Or, you know, do you need my help with something? That verbalization and having to answer verbally may completely take you out of the creative flow. And you may feel like, oh, like someone's slowing you down, getting in your way, like interrupting you. Like you just, and of course, 
their intention is completely loving and kind and good. It doesn't matter, but it's like for you, it's like, oh, I can't deal with this right now. Like I'm, <laughs> I've got this flow going. I, I am so far very impressed with this human design <laughs> thing because everything you're saying is spot on about me. Every single thing so far. I have not had that with most of these systems. So this is cool. So, yeah. So here's the thing though. It's like you are not here to initiate things out of your head because of that need to respond to it showing up externally. Right. And so, um, sometimes, you know, sometimes that is hard because, um, you want to just jump right in and do it, do it, do it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you won't ever get things done if you do that. But when we learn how to, uh, use the strategy to our advantage, and wait to respond to the external, we start realizing how easy it is and how much things, how much we are designed for things to flow to us. And I think that is a very um, law of attraction kind of concept mm -hmm. that we're designed to allow things to flow to us and to just show up. But so many times we're busy, like, pushing and trying to make it happen, right? And and that is just resistance in another form when we're pushing and trying to make it happen. Sure you've got, like, so much going on here that's that's really awesome because you're here to build and to work and to become you. Like, that. it's all about becoming who you are. I was talking to somebody today and realized that, it was a, a client who said something about doing, doing something. And, and it hit me that one of my, well, I think it was when I was in coaching school, one of the things I learned right off the bat, which was one of our little, you know, keynotes was that the idea of doing is work and being is effortless. And mm -hmm. so many, so many times we are doing to get something, right? Like I worked mm -hmm. with a paycheck. Right. People will come to me with desires that they have that they want me to support them in creating. And they'll say, what do I need to do? Because they want to do X to get Y. And I always bring them back to being is effortless. So when we can be, then we can just allow. Mm -hmm. Is it doing, doing, doing to get? Or is it just being the person that has that thing so that we can allow it to come to us? Like, Finding that word I was looking for was such a great example of that because I yeah. was, I was intent on doing it. I made, I made the strong declaration that I would find this word today and I was willing to spend the day looking for it, but I was also just open. Like that willingness was from an openness that said, Oh, I'm going to find it. <laughs> I'm going to. And then it just showed up like faster than I could have ever believed. And I've, yeah. been having, I've been having that experience more and more and more as I follow my design. Hmm. As I learn more about my chart and do the test with it, right? Like it's either me or it's not me. But, you know, I was conditioned from a very young age to work hard, to get it done, 
to initiate things to, and none of those are part of my chart. Like mm-hmm. what they say about a generator is that when you wake up in the morning, providing you have slept well, that you eat well, you know, we have to take the foundations of good health into consideration, but that if all those things are going well for you and you're healthy, when you wake up, you have like a hundred percent energy. You're like a car with a full tank of gas. And that energy, once you get rolling and you're, you're using your design, that engine, that motor, it just keeps going and it keeps you going. A projector, on the other hand, when we wake up after a good night's sleep, which I don't always get, and eating good <laughs> and taking care of ourselves, we have like a third of a tank of gas and it doesn't really get refilled. <laughs> really? So, so we have bigger requirements for downtime and for rest. Interesting. Yeah. And when I found that out, I realized one of the things I found out when I found that out was that in a younger projectors or orchestrators life, you know, we're often just making up for that lack of energy with adrenaline. Ah. And so we don't really notice it because we're drinking coffee or we got Mm -hmm. adrenaline going and we're, Mm -hmm. we're doing all these things to keep ourselves going, going, going because because society and everyone is telling us to hustle, like, Mm -hmm. go, go, go. And then when we get to a certain age, our adrenals like say, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I read all of that, when I found all of that out, then I realized, oh my gosh, some of this, it hasn't been that I'm the energizer bunny. It's that I've been conditioned to push myself as hard as I can so that I can keep up with all the generators. (laughs) And then I just burned my adrenals out. And now, now that I am learning for the past, you know, especially the past couple of years, I've really been into this experiment. Um, Now that I'm learning that if I will just take care of myself and be who I am and wait for the invitations that I, I don't have to push. So let me ask you something before you go further here. Cause yeah. like I said, a moment ago, what you were describing about me point after point after point was really pretty accurate. I'm wondering, did you have the same experience for yourself when you read what your own chart was saying, when, when it was saying things that you're a project, a projector that, uh, you know, you, you need to take a step back, all the stuff that you're saying to me now, did uh-huh. that resonate? Did that actually make sense to you? Well, I resisted it at first because I thought, well, there's no way, there's no way I can do, I can just, what, just lay back and wait for it to come to me. No, that's not going to happen. I got to <laughs> hustle. Um, so I resisted it at first, but something which I call my wiser self kept nudging me to look again, to look mm. at And when I started really looking again, oh yeah, it resonated. Like, it did. I, you know, like I was looking at our charts and, you have um, the the heart center on your chart is open and the heart center on my chart is also open. And one of the things, one of the kind of um, challenges with that heart center open. Uh, so it'd be like the downside <laughs> is feeling like you have something to prove. Mm. And I kind of resisted that in the split second. I heard it right. Why? Because I immediately was like, I don't have anything to prove. <laughs> but then I looked back at, especially my younger life. I literally would leave like a notebook of my to-do list, like out in the, in the desk 
you know, or on the counter where someone could see it. Why? Because look how hard I work. Like I was ah. trying to prove. And I realize now what's really funny is that, yeah, I was trying to prove I could keep up with the generators because <laughs> I really was struggling to do it. But I was constantly trying to convince myself yeah. you know, that I, I can do this. And, um, that's what I was thinking when you said that you left the, the notebooks out and so forth. I said to myself, well, was she leaving them out for herself or for everybody else's? I got the sense you were leaving it out for you. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was yeah. Like, it was like, cause I was trying to prove something to myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I would have to say that everything in my chart, um, and I was looking around cause I had my chart out in front of me and now I don't, and I don't, you know, automatically just know it so, so well, but the things in my chart, um, like what's really interesting is that I have an activated throat, um, uh, center. And I also, in my astrology chart, you know, Mercury, who is the God of communication is my chart ruler. It's like very obvious that I came here to communicate something mm. like I have something to say. And then the centers that deal with wisdom are there. And I don't always think I'm the wisest person, but sometimes I shock myself and, you know, say something wise, right? And well, I- Well, speaking on behalf of the podcast and the listeners, I would say you're very wise. You have a lot of very interesting things to say and we get emails about it. So you can rest assured you really do have a lot to say that's worth hearing. So some of it, you know, is that I've made the intention, um, that I want to be, um, a vessel. I want to be, um, uh, a, it's so funny when I say this, this word, I told somebody today, this isn't my language usually. And it's been coming up to me for the over two weeks, just very, very strong. You are a clear channel. And mm. I'm like, but I don't feel like I channel, you know, in the sense that people say they are a channel, mm-hmm. but I often find myself saying something to a client or someone I'm working with that was like, hmm. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> um, so I think, the intention has been there ever since, you know, I was conscious of helping other people pretty much my whole life. But I think it's because of my design. Mm. Right. It's not like I decided. It's just that eventually you do line up with who you really are. <laughs> right. Regardless of what we might try to do to avoid it. But oh, yeah. Regardless. Right. So I think that, you know, um, with you, you have really strong motor in your chart and really strong like four complete channels three of them i think to your throat um that sacral motor is really strong so for you you know using like practicing with the uh uh-huh and uh uh-uh even if it's just like on your own like if um here's an interesting thing i had to kind of change my mind about and that is that coaching people i'm often asking open-ended questions because open-ended questions get that right side of the brain moving. Mm-hmm. Right? That's where the imagination, the possibility is. And so usually I'm asking open-ended questions, but for generators, which is most of my clients, um, generators respond really well and get a big knowledge of themselves when they're asked a yes or no question. Hmm. Okay. And so, and so but sometimes you can actually just have someone ask you yes or no questions. And you just do the uh uh-huh and uh uh-uh or, you know, and you'll start to feel it and you'll start to know. Like we talk about a full body yes, right? Like when something, I use this example when my kids were little, like they were six and eight. We took them on a beach vacation 
but we, we were close to Orlando, but we were at a beach and they didn't know we were taking them to Disney World. Ah. So like the third day in, we said, guys, get up, you know, get up and get ready. And it was early and they were like, what are we doing? And we we're saying, look, and we showed them the tickets to Disney World. These two guys had a full body. Yes. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> they were jumping and running around. Yes. Yes. Right. So that full body. Yes. We get to know that in, in the sacral as a generator, you can know that in your sacral center and know very clearly if something is a yes or a no. Very interesting. By using those sounds. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Like I said, it's one of the things I've been doing um, when my clients are willing. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always up to them. I can I can coach anybody without knowing human their human design, but it adds another facet to my ability to coach them when I know their design and when I can help them understand the best way to navigate things according to their chart. And so I've been asking lately the last year maybe the last two years i've been asking for birthday birthplace and telling them on the form that i asked them like this is optional it's only if you want me to know your human design and your astrology and most people have said they wanted wanted to know and so uh-huh. yeah it's been a lot of fun this is interesting this is a topic i think that, that we're going to want to carry on on future episodes um and i can grasp just from the little bit that you've been able to share today that there's a lot to this. I mean, you, you said that early on today that there's a whole lot more than you could do in an hour. And I get that. I mean, that's coming through pretty clear. Um, but nevertheless, I think we should spend time on it before we run out of time today. We've got about 10 minutes left, a little bit less than 10 minutes left. Talk a little bit about the four influences. You know, there's, there's the I Ching, there's the, uh, um, yeah. uh, the astrology that, I mean, talk about all, how all four of those work together. Cause that, that, that part still eludes me. I'm like, wait a minute. Those are four different, entirely different systems. How do they all come together in one mind? Up? Right, I don't get that. Right. And it kind of eludes me too. Like um, the interesting thing is that um, I think my favorite, although I've, I've studied all of these systems, um, not deeply, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I mean, people could study one of these systems for 30, 40, 50, 60 years and still be getting, you know, it's, it's kind of amazing. But I started studying, um, well, I, I mentioned the Gene Keys book. The Gene Keys are actually a version of the Yi Jing. Mm-hmm. So there are 64 um, hexagrams in the Yi Ching, and there's 64 Gene Keys, and they're all pictures of hexagrams. I mean, like it's no, it's known. He you know, when he wrote this, he was studying human design, studying the I Ching. And so he talks about it and he's written his own version of the I Ching. Hmm. And then I have a couple other versions that I like. And I really started studying that um, as a divination system because I like divination. But Richard Rudd talks about the I Ching having the ability to actually change our DNA. Hmm. And it is like when I first read his book, which, like I said, chicken or egg, I can't remember if he led me to human design or if human design led me to him. It's sort of like they both happened at the same time, mm-hmm. dropped like a bomb right in, into my uh, time space continuum. But um, that system just on its own is amazing. So when you take those 64 hexagrams and you realize there are 64 gates in your body graph. Some of them are activated and some of them are not. And to make channels, some of them get 
get activated when you're in the presence of someone else who completes that particular channel. It's mm-hmm. like mind blowing just with that one system, right? <laughs> yeah. And then there are uh, another part of the chart shows conscious and design. So things you're aware of and things that are in your design that you're not. And that's where all the planets are. And what gates in the chart interact with those planets. So that would be the astrology part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's just the Hindu chakras are like this, the, the centers we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, there are seven chakras and nine centers because two of them, they have split. And that's considered to be a, a type of evolution of the chakra system. Mm-hmm. Um, like in your chart, I think I made a note of this. There are your the open chart, the open centers are the ones where um, you may pick up on other people's things more. Like one of yours, like the open head center, you have a, the open head center. So you may be a mind reader sometimes. Like if if Louise has a defined head center, you may just know her thoughts sometimes. And I know this because I have a defined head center and my husband's is open and he reads my mind literally all the time. It's like, really? Or here's, here's another thing that happens with those open head centers is sometimes he thinks my thought was his thought. <laughs> He'll be like, no, I thought of that. I'll be like, no, you didn't. I thought of that. <laughs> and also with that open head center, one of the challenges is thinking about things that don't matter. Like you'll realize later, it's like, oh, I've been spending all this time thinking about this and it doesn't even matter. Um, the open heart center, like I said before, the challenge there is probably like feeling like we have something to prove. Um, the, the open solar plexus, that often a uh, person with an open solar plexus often likes to avoid confrontation. And then the open root, you have also the open root center and that is that may be feeling um, feeling like you're in a hurry to to relieve pressure if there's pressure. Um, and, you know, we always are having some kind of pressure. But I think that that may have to do with you being a time bender because you like things to happen quickly and you're used to being able to to execute things quickly. Um, and multitasking is part of that. So. You know, that really fits for me in a law of attraction way, by the way. When I say law of attraction way, I mean in terms of understanding how our way works. Because one of my biggest issues for years and still continues to this day to be to some degree is why didn't it show up already? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) This should have been here by now. What's the hold up? (laughs) Right. What's the hold up? Well, I, I was thinking about that today, actually, and I feel like something I, get clearer and clearer on it as I, as I go through this journey is, is acceptance. And, you know, the idea that everything, every moment is perfect. And mm-hmm. that's hard to comprehend sometimes when we're living in a world oh, that's yeah. so full of chaos, mm-hmm. but chaos is a pattern interrupter. And we need some of these patterns to be erupted, uh, interrupted now so that we can evolve. Right. So, if we think that every moment is perfect, if this moment right now is perfect, how can I have resistance? And so when we're like, why hasn't it come yet? We don't think this moment is perfect because mm-hmm. that's still out there. And if this mm-hmm. moment was perfect, that thing would be here. True. So that acceptance of like every, everything is perfect. And 
I recognize that I'm not always there either, but the times when I am, everything just shows up. Everything just comes to me. Um, I was. That, that's the spooky side, by the way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun, but it's a little spooky when it happens. And it, it, it kind of, I, the way I kind of describe it for myself is it kind of knocks me off balance for a bit. Like, oh, wait a minute. What just happened here? <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> Almost like, I mean, if what you're saying about my own pattern is true, and I think it probably is, because uh, I try not to multitask because I know how much it can actually mess things up, but I just do it anyway. And it's actually, I have to be deliberate about, okay, I'm only going to do one thing. That's a very challenging thing for me to do. Just do one thing and not allow anything else in there. And I try to make it a point to do that. But because I have that tendency, you know, it's, it's, it's really easy to get knocked off balance when I let go for a moment and then stuff shows up anyway, because then it's, it's almost as if somebody out there was faster than me. You talked about how, how I'm quick, right? Well, wait a minute. How can someone be faster? I'm always faster than everybody else. (laughs) You know, it's like, when you think about this, okay, so manifesting generators, um, 35% of the population. So that's not a majority. Mm-hmm. Generators are 70%, but you're like a subset, right? And so if time benders, if we look at it with that name and that ability to, uh, to know the shortcuts, to do, uh, lots of things at once, mm-hmm. uh, but, I too have been, I probably talked about it on the podcast, right? Seeing a study somewhere that said that multitasking, even though you think you're doing more, you're not. Well, Mm -hmm. for most of it, that's true. We're not getting more done, but for you, it's not true. You are. And so this is what I talk about conditioning, right? Like we're conditioned to look at certain studies and certain facts and say, oh, okay. And it was like me thinking that I had to, you know, burn myself out hustling or else I was never going to be successful Mm -hmm. when that's not my design. And yeah. so the the more I take care of myself, the more I rest, the more downtime I have, um, the more I wait for invitations, the easier everything gets. So, you know, it's like, wow, I I was conditioned to think a certain way, but it's just not the way it has to be. <laughs> and for you, you can do a lot of things at once. And you can't But it's do- not necessarily good for me. That's the other piece of that. Because you're right, I can do a lot of thing, good of things at the same time. I can get stuff done faster than other people, but I pay a price for that. Yeah. I pay a price in terms of stress and how it affects me both mentally and physically. I pay a price for it in terms of making mistakes because, you know, you're doing too many things at once. You can't keep track and, and yeah, do so error checks and everything. That's one of the things that does show up here uh, is that, you know, there's, there's, uh, the possibility of skipping steps. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that creates challenges. So, well, I guess it's like anything else. There, there are positive sides and negative sides. There's sides that we like, sides that we don't like of all this stuff. Yeah. But the, the thing is, is that it's all, it's all working out perfectly. Right. And so if we, the better we can know ourselves, Mm-hmm. Uh, the easier things get and the easier things flow to us. So. Well, thank you for helping me get to know myself better. I appreciate this. This is good. I, I like, there aren't many systems. I like, I like this one. All right. That's because all. it really does resonate. It really does yeah. feel like it fits. Well, like I said, I've been using with clients for a couple of years and I hadn't really brought it up because, but I've been, I'm just having overwhelming evidence now. Mm. Clients 
you know, having success using the system. So I thought, well, let's talk about it. So we're going to revisit this again, but thank you very much for introducing us to it. As usual, it was a wonderful presentation. And thank you especially to our podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.